is Alternate Take. I am your host, Danny Rodriguez. Welcome back to the show. I miss you guys, man. Been a minute. Um, you can blame all that on producer JB, dude, because that's what we do on this podcast. You don't like an episode? It's producer JB's fault. You don't like yourself? It's producer JB's fault. It's always his fault. Nah, I'm just playing victim, which is the exact opposite of what this episode was about in the first place. We had on a tremendous guest. We had on Mr. Jeremy Sladen, who is a professional, former professional baseball player and is now the founder of the program Warrior MBS. And the dude is just phenomenal, man. Um, we talked a lot about, you know, how to be a man in today's society. Not just men, but also and most of the lessons we talked about apply to women as well. Um, but we talked about being honest with yourself. Talked about, you know, having integrity. We talked about... Um, a lot of things that, you know, a lot of people are afraid to tell tell themselves in a crazy time that we live in. So it was a, uh, it was like sitting on a fucking counseling couch, dude. It was awesome. I had a great time talking to the dudes. The dude's a legend, and um, he actually gave us a sweet promo code for his program for those guys out there. It'll be at warriormbs.com/danny, and you guys will get fifty percent off. And then he also threw in another crazy, crazy hookup, which you guys will hear at the end of the episode. So stay tuned. But uh, I'm super excited for y'all to hear what he had to say. It was a great time. And uh, without further ado, I bring to you the great Jeremy Sladen. Alternate Take, what is up, you guys, man? I'm glad to be back. We brought you guys a very special guest. We brought you guys Mr. Jeremy Sladen. Jeremy, how you doing today, brother? Man, I'm doing great, Danny. Thanks for having me on the show today. Excited to, to have a conversation. Absolutely, sir. And that's, and that's why we wanted to have you. Um, we've had a lot of cool guests on this show um some are just you know just jokes and some are really funny and some are uh very important lessons for people to hear and i don't see why today can be both but <laughs> um, i'll try i'll try <laughs> <laughs> but um i do like what you've had to say. i've read a lot about what you've had to say about um the american man what they go through on a daily basis now and how they can get their lives back together and um i think it's phenomenal stuff I, we hear constantly throughout the day on the news and and every sort of media that um that's something that's declining in our in our world now is the American man and everything that is involved is considered negative, essentially. Um, but before we get to those amazing things that uh, you're teaching now and helping so many men with, uh, let's start from the beginning, sir. Where are you from? Yeah, um, I was originally uh, born in Kentucky, moved to Tennessee, you know, before any of my memories. So I was like one years old. Um, but I, you know, grew up in Tennessee, played played ball, uh, high school and everything here. That's that was a huge part of my life. Um, and just 10,000 foot level, went to Georgia Tech for, for four years, played baseball there, got a management degree, um, went on to play with the Phillies in the minor league organization for six and a half seasons, um, and then got a little taste of the big leagues in major league spring training, which was a pretty incredible story. I can share some of that if we get if we go there. And then uh, it was all taken away, man, like one, one big injury, um, along with some political uh, moves of the Phillies at the time. And uh, I just found myself with a with a loss of identity trying to figure figure it all out, and I had this big sales job that I was lucky to get, but probably wasn't ready for in Atlanta, and that led to a, a lot of craziness in my life, kind of a dark time. And um, so my my story today is uh, a kind of a combination of how did I, as an individual, crawl out of a black hole that I had kind of created for myself. Um, and then as a society, how do we crawl out of a black hole that in, to some degree, we've created for ourselves, you know, um, and because I think the same principles apply to both things. Uh, but you know, short short version of the answer: grew up in Tennessee, spent about you know uh, uh, four or five years in Atlanta, and then lived all over the country. And now I'm back for the last six seven years back in uh, Tennessee. Wow. Okay. <clears throat> I wanted to ask too. Um, you know, I grew up playing ball my whole life, and um, I found that switch um, to go from playing ball to becoming a regular adult was very difficult for me. Um, yes. It was definitely my identity growing up. And um, when I felt it fade away, I, I definitely panicked. I, I wasn't, um, I wasn't squared away. I needed to be, I didn't treat life the way I treated baseball. Baseball was easy to treat, you know, speed train, throw, hit, swim, whatever the hell, whatever you had to do. Is right. What I did. <clears throat> um, but I had a hard time translating that into real life. Once I realized, you know, my, my cleats were getting hung up. <clears throat> So did, did you have a difficult time doing that as well? Very much. Yeah, it, it was hard. You know, and I didn't notice it at first. I think a lot of guys, they 
they go through like this traumatic experience, almost like a funeral, right? Like of a loved one dying. It feels kind of like that. I think because I was older, you know, I walked away from baseball, uh, professional baseball at 30 years old. So I played my whole life. And I, in a sense, like I kind of saw the end coming with some of the injuries that I had had, which, um, you know, it really took my best skills away from me and I was still trying to play toward the end. So I kind of knew this is coming, but in the background, you know, there, that, that law, I think a lot of men compartmentalize, we've got the ability to turn our emotions off to get it done. Right. And that's what I chose to do. And I think, I, I think it's a helpful thing. I think, you know, people talk that talk about that being a bad thing and, and it, it can be a bad thing if you don't know how to turn your emotions back on and feel them. Um, but I think in the case of like going to war and other things that men sometimes have to do, um, compartmentalizing can be a helpful tool and women are not as good at it. Bottom line. Um, but I, I definitely compartmentalized just to kind of get through that time. And I didn't really face the fact that everything that people, except for my closest family and friends that really loved me, everything that people valued in me was kind of gone, you know, like the, the, the crowd that would cheer, like all, all the people that were rooting for me to make it to the big leagues, all that was gone away, you know? And then my own value was wrapped up a lot in that journey of making it to the major leagues, which was like a childhood dream. Um, so you put so much into something and then it's gone and then you've got to go sell roofs to the government, which is what I was doing. You know, maybe there's good money in it, but it wasn't my passion. You know, um, on top of that, you know, this as a, as a former athlete and a lot of athletes, it's not only the loss of identity. A lot of times there are physical injuries that are longstanding with pain. You know, you got to wake up every morning. I had shoulder and lower back issues. I had to have two surgeries on my lower back. I've had two shoulder surgeries. I've had a foot operation. Um, I've, I, you know, there's other things I could bring up, but all of that stuff, it's also like, okay, you wake up and you, you, you kind of don't know who you are anymore. Plus you've got physical pain that you want to deal with, or you don't want to, you have to deal with, and you've got these pressures on you to perform to now go make money in a brand new way. I mean, no wonder that former athletes end up becoming alcoholics and drug addicts and sex addicts and like all these things. Cause they want to, they, it's like, man, give me something. So you try something once or you, you go down this road and pretty soon you're, you're in far deeper than you ever wanted to be. So, uh, yeah, it's a tough transition and I definitely went through it. Wow. Interesting. It's funny when you, when you mentioned the, um, like the injured athlete for some reason, and it's not related whatsoever, but like in my head, I picture like, um, you ever see the show house, like the doctor house, mm -hmm. I picture him like with the cane and the leg that's all jacked up. And like, he's just like bitter as hell and he's angry and he's always in pain, but he has to perform at the highest duties at all time. Like he has to, yeah. even when he doesn't have to, I mean, even when he doesn't want to, um, I yeah, think and, and prolong, pro yeah, prolonged physical pain over time, man, it, it kind of steals your soul. Like it steals your joy because you don't want to feel it and there's nothing you can really do about it. Uh, I mean, maybe there are things, but you're busy, you know, especially as a former athlete that now you're, unless you're a multimillionaire, you've got to go back out into the world and make a way. Right. And, right. uh, and, and a lot of times at the end of a career, you're emotionally exhausted because you've just had to give up a huge part of your life. But now like, damn, I've got to go make cold calls and knock on doors and like figure this out. It's hard. Yeah. It's such a different stage of life. It's so different. Like one, you're celebrated one. You're just the average man. It's like, and it happened like that. It's so crazy. That's right. Yep. Um, when you're in this dark time, um, what stuck out to you the most? Do you, do you remember like realizing that I'm in a dark place and, and like, I'm, I'm afraid I don't know how to get out. Or do you remember quickly being there and going, no, I can, I can, I will get out of this. It's just going to take some time. Like what, what was your thought process when you're in that hole? Yeah. Um, I began, I, I know it was choices that I'd made that were pretty obvious. It, so it wasn't like, Oh my gosh, I have PTSD or I'm depressed. It was like, wow. It wasn't that it was like, what am I doing? Like right. who, who am I now? Now I'm a Christian guy. And for me, you know, like I, I, and I definitely chased women and all that in pro sports. Um, I, you know, I had a lot of fun party and all those things. I took it further than I should have. There's no doubt about that. But the hole that was created when baseball was gone was, you know, uh, for a while, I surrounded myself with good people that knew who I really was at my core when I was starting my career in Atlanta. But pretty soon, like, I began to dabble in a lot of waters that I never thought I really would. Um, so, you know, sexually, uh, you know, strip clubs, that kind of thing. And then also like the alcohol got out of control and the alcohol led to, you know, and I, I've always been diagnosed with ADD, but I never, um, 
I never really got on medication for it because I, I did for a while in middle school, but it actually like kind of, it made me not hungry. It put me in a depressed mood, but I went back to the doctor and I was like, I, I just, I've got to have something because my, my brain is foggy. Right. Yeah. So here I am drinking too much at night, waking up, taking Adderall in the mornings, um, which, you know, between the coming down of Adderall in the afternoons, which that's what was actually providing a false sense of energy to get me through the day. And I'm not, I'm not bashing, uh, all medicines or Adderall may, maybe for certain people it's right. For me, it was a false sense of energy. Um, that I was relying on because I didn't have the emotional energy, but that would, you know, what goes up must come down. So about four or five in the afternoon, I would kind of start to crash and a way to smooth that out was the alcohol. So between Adderall and alcohol, I end up doing things, you know, acting out sexually in the real world. And that's like, what, what is going on here? Right. Like, this is not who I am all the while. I'm getting engaged to the woman that I love. I've gotten married. Now I'm acting out within my marriage. Um, and those were not things I Christian or not. Men don't really want that. When you're a little boy thinking about getting married one day, that's not who you want to be. And that's all of a sudden who I had become. And I stayed in that place stuck for three years. So to answer your question, you know, did I realize like, wow, I'm in a dark place? Yes, I did. And um, I didn't want to stay there. So I'm I'm glad that I began to seek help um, because I, I really I really needed it. I couldn't have done it on my own to get out of that hole. That's amazing. What uh, What specific help were you seeking? Was it Friends, family, books, psychologists, like what, what were the things that stick out to you the most? Yeah, yeah, a, a lot of it. You know, there's a lot of help out there if you're willing to look, you know, um, like for me, AA, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous and SA, Sexaholics Anonymous, but there's other, ver there's a Samson Society for guys that really struggle with lust and sex and porn and all that kind of stuff and physical acting out in the, in the real world. Um, I mean, it, that's as dark as any of the holes you can go down if you, if you go there and stay there long enough. But, um, the, the, so those groups were super helpful to me and finding like in different groups, call them different things, but in AA, they'll call it a sponsor in the Samson society. They'll call it a Silas, which was like Paul and Silas in the Bible, two guys who were in it together who, uh, who shared a struggle. Right. Um, so that was a big help. I also needed one-on-one -on -one counseling. So I got counseling. Um, but the key in all of it, because all of that would have been a big waste of money and time had I not willing to get had I not been willing to get a hundred percent honest, like actually over time, not just sharing 90% of the truth, but sharing a hundred percent of the truth about the things I had done and how deep I was kind of in a in a mess. That was what allowed people to really help me. And even even for my wife, because eventually I told her everything. And now like she can really love me because she knows she knew who I was, who I am and who I am now. She's seen this journey out of that. And, um, you know, had I been dishonest or held things back, she may have still loved me, but she's still loving like a projection of myself, not the real version of me that really went through that journey. So, um, being honest, finding the help. Um, and, and yeah, to answer your question for me, it was the, the those groups, and also the one-on-one -on -one counseling. So between those things over a process of time, I began to become healthy and healthier and healthier and get more and more and more honest. Cause it wasn't like day one, I just spilled the beans on everything. It was a process of getting more comfortable with sharing, you know, the depths that I had gone to. And, um, yeah, that was the beginning of the way out was surrendering those, those lies. I love that. That's a, it's a very astute, observation when you when you mentioned that like i, I was being 100 percent honest and that's what a lot of people to help me i think that's very important to realize that um when did you start realizing that it started getting i wouldn't say easier but you started getting like a, you know kind of like when you're going to the gym you know and it sucks for like a couple of weeks and then all of a sudden you're like oh i don't feel sore no more starting to feel good like yeah 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 oh, this is it like or you're eating healthy and all of a sudden and you're hungry as hell for like a week and then all of a sudden you're not as hungry and it's and now you realize your diet's working when did it start clicking for you. Like, okay, everything I'm doing now, like it's working. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would say, you know, in, in recovery of any type, it's going to be, there's going to be ups and downs. It's going to feel like three steps forward, which is great on week. Number one, man, I'm going to this group. It's awesome. They call it the pink cloud. I'm feeling good. I have, man, I don't even want to look at that stuff or I don't even want to drink that anymore. Then that lasts, you know, a little while, but then you're going to take two steps back or, or five steps back even, but you have to be willing to stay on the journey. Um, so, I would say though there was, there's an equilibrium that was reached about 
it was really more around th- this, this thing that one counselor told me, he's like, Jeremy, you need triple digits. And I said, what do you mean triple digits? He said, if you can get to a hundred days of sobriety, a hundred days, that's when, you know, uh, physiologically and in your biochemistry truly will begin to change. And you're not going to have the old addictions pop up the, the way that they used to. You're going to feel like a different man, but you, you got to get triple digits. And, and I'll tell you this, a lot of counselors don't agree with that, but as an athlete and somebody that wants to accomplish something, um, and I'm geared that way, that, that spoke to me and it's like, okay, if I can get a hundred days of not drinking, of not even looking at pornography, you know, none of those things. I wonder how I'll feel. Cause I, I, I've never, you know, ever since I started drinking, uh, or started, you know, looking at that stuff, like I'd never made it a hundred days. Well, I made it, I made it a hundred days. And that was about two years into a recovery process of becoming more healthy. After that hundred days, I truly like, I look back at the guy that I was back before the hundred days. And it's like, and I'm not even the same person anymore. I don't now, obviously if I began to, to go down that road again, I could become that old guy. But, um, that's when there was like a new, they call it your new rock bottom. You know, like right now, my bottom would be a totally different thing than it was six, seven years ago. So, um, yeah, I guess I would say two years into my work of recovery, I achieved like 100 days of complete sobriety. And I found that I was productive I had more time in my schedule. I actually enjoyed myself. I mean, there were a couple of days that were a struggle where I was really tempted or whatever, and I would reach out to my my sponsor or counselor. Um, but at the end of that, it was a big inner shift. Wow. Interesting. That's crazy. That's it's crazy. That's two years. I mean, I think some people are literally panicking over one year and they think like, man, I don't know if what I'm doing is right, yada, 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 or six months to panicking. And, you know, it's just a true testament to stay, stay true to the journey. You know, yeah. Like, well, you like, got to think how long did it take you? And when I say you, I'm talking to, to the listeners, the viewers, if you're dealing with a problem, how long did you nurse that problem? How long did it take you to get there? Was it a decade? Did you do, did you act out for a decade in, in unhealthy behaviors? Was it two decades? Was it three? So to think that in one year, I'm going to lick this thing and never do it again. That's probably not, I mean, it happens for some people. Some people have like a, like God strikes them with a lightning bolt and they are just never the same. That, and that's a beautiful thing. It does happen. I'm not going to deny that. But for most people, it's a process of a few years. And, and I want to say this, so I don't want anybody to misunderstand. Those two years leading up to the hundred days I talked about, there was a lot of success in in that that two-year period where, you know, I, I, was, I was in a really dark place and then it got better and better and better and better. But there there wasn't like this deep inner shift really until that, that 100 days. So I, I want to encourage people rather than make them think, man, I saw no results for two years because I, I definitely did. Right. That's awesome, man. That's really cool. Now you made it out on the other side, you know, and you're feeling good and you feel like everything's working the way it's supposed to work. Um, What steps did you decide to take next? Because now you didn't stop there from what we've seen. You've done all those things and you could have stopped there and say, I got my life back together and now I'm going to take care of my family and that's it, which would have been honorable in itself. Um, But you've done more than that. Now you have a whole program that's designed to help men. Um, and you're doing what you're doing now with your podcast and everything. And I think it's it's insane. What was that decision now to take a step forward? Yeah. Decide, I want to start helping other people. Yeah. Well, I, I'll set it up like this. So through my, my personal journey of recovery, as I was getting more and more healthy, I was also doing better and better and better in my business, um, which kind of the, those things a lot of times go hand in hand. Um, and I began to think, you know, maybe I'm called to something different than than just selling roofs to the government, which is what I was doing. And I was making good money and had had a lot of good relationships in the business. But I just felt there, there's more for me now that I've gone through this journey. And I and I knew so many guys who were even more successful than me in business who I knew behind the scenes, like they're not happy. They're struggling. Um, so the first thing I did was okay, I'm gonna get my, I'm gonna get my um my master's in counseling because I really enjoyed working with a counselor. I thought this would be a great idea. And I thought this will add some validity to any kind of coaching that I do. If I've got a master's in counseling. So I, I signed up at grand Canyon university, which is a Christian university, very well respected um, for their counseling program. And guess what I found? It was about as woke as any like secular university in terms of their counseling program. There, you know, you think, okay, what's going to be important in an ethics class at a university to, to for being a counselor? You would think, okay, maybe patient counselor confidentiality. That's a big deal, right? 
Well, they talked about it a little bit, but what they were really wanted to talk about was affirming kids who are transgender and all of this, like, you know, BLM and like anything that has to do with wokeness. If it wasn't outright supporting it, it was definitely sympathetic towards it. And I knew it's like a lot of these things that they're promoting in this, this curriculum is based on a lie. And it's meant to get our emotions involved, to feel sympathetic towards like real people that are hurting, but really to take them down a road that's only going to make them worse. I mean, it was like affirm, affirm, affirm. That's what a counselor does is pat them on the butt, tell them how great they are and affirm them in whatever direction they already would be going. Well, if that was, if that was what my counselor would have done for me, I would be owning like four strip clubs in Atlanta right now. Like, (laughs) you know, I would have lost my marriage. Like it'd be, it would be a a disaster, you know? Um, so I knew like something's wrong with society and that was back and I already knew something was wrong, but it was back. That was back in 2019. So I, I keep my job. I keep going 2020 hits and I see like, okay, there's a lot of deceptions going on out there. And, and, you know, Danny, I don't know you that well. I don't know your audience that well, but this is from my, you know, freedom fighter, truth first kind of perspective. Not everybody may hold to the same uh, values and beliefs I do, but I'm going to say it from my perspective. So, yeah, I was just saying like, yeah, I had a deep desire in my heart to help people. And, and at first it was going to be help people on a personal level, like an individual level. And I found like, okay, like I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be a counselor. It's probably not, you know, me as an athlete, my whole life and realizing how woke that whole like profession is right now, because the APA, the American psychological association, they're as woke as can possibly be. And they're the ones that are driving the curriculums at all of these schools, including the Christian colleges or else they lose their accreditation. So that's, that's why that's happening in a nutshell. But I saw 2020 hit and it was like, okay, this whole COVID thing is not what it's being sold as. It's something else. BLM and all of the the riots going on in all these cities, this is not what it's being, this is not for the good of the black community. And all you got to do to prove that is go look at those same communities. Are they doing way better now that BLM's gotten billions and billions of dollars from all these corporations? Where'd that money go? Okay. So, so that was a lie, right? Then you've got the vaccines. That's not what it's being sold as. Then you've got January 6th. That's not what it's being sold as. So there's all these deceptions that I saw and it's like, okay. For me in my personal life to recover, one of the key factors was I had to get honest. And, and honesty was one of the hardest hurdles to overcome, was to truly get honest because it, it hurts to tell the truth at that level. And that's actually what it's going to take in society is to get honest about what the real problems are that are affecting us, that the politicians and the media and the globalists, they do not want those people uh, speaking that are speaking truth. That's why we have cancel culture right now. Um, I'm not saying that everyone that that claims to speak truth and is getting canceled is telling the truth, but a lot of them are. So I saw all that happening at the same time. And I, you know, I was trying to create a platform, an influencer platform um, around tw- by, by the start of 2020 and then going into 2021. So I left my job to do it. I was that passionate about it, but I'm thinking, okay, I, I, you know, I'm new at this. I, I gained a following pretty quickly. And then immediately, like as soon as I gained a few thousand followers, Instagram took me down, YouTube took me down, uh, Facebook suppressed me. Like it was just this merry-go-round of gain followers and then suppressed or have to start a new account. And I'm thinking, okay, I'll never be able to provide for my family like this. You know, and I, my wife knows I left my job, obviously. She's going to expect me to bring on the bacon somehow. <laughs> so it was a challenge. And um, I prayed about it one night. I just said, Lord, I don't know. I've I've followed you to do these things. And now I feel lost and I feel like I'm not making a difference. And sometimes I feel like I'm ticking off friends and family because that goes with the territory. Like, what do I do? And I felt very clearly the Lord speak to me and, and say, you know, Jeremy, you're a coach. You know how to encourage men. You understand what makes men like feel alive. And, and you've been in locker rooms all over this country with people from all over the globe playing baseball. Um, help men get back in shape help them get mentally clear and focused again, uh, help them get spiritually grounded and then make it fun, package it in such a way. So it's competitive. And so, you know, there, there's some locker room ribbing and all, but at the same time, it's also encouraging. And, um, I've been able to do that. I created a program called warrior MBS, which stands for mind, body, and soul. So warrior mind, cause I think those three things work together. You know, if you're physically, um, just feel like crap all the time and you, and you look like crap, your brain is probably going to be foggy and spiritually, you're probably going to be very off center. But when you start getting those things, right? Like if you start eating well and you start working out, it doesn't take long for your head to start feeling clearer. 
And then all of a sudden, maybe you can pray again, like for the first time in a long time. So I think the physical is kind of an insertion point a lot of times for those other two things to begin to clear up and get better. And, you know, guys understand working out. They understand the physical side of things. So I've made that a competition. And, and just so your listeners know, and you don't even know this yet, um, warriormbs.com forward slash Danny. If they go there, they can get half off the program. Okay. So it's oh, a- wow. It's a 70-day program. Um, I've knocked half the cost off uh, to, to do that. And um, you can sign up for a phone call with me there if you're unsure. You can you can look at testimonials. Um, but yeah, it's it's got a fitness plan, a meal plan. Um, and I start with guys at any level. So in the last round, I had a former World Series MVP. And I also had a guy that couldn't even walk to the bathroom. He's 400 pounds, 60 years old. And both those guys, uh, actually the 400-pound guy, in the in terms of the total points, he beat the former World Series MVP because it's about your effort. It's about putting in the time each day and proving we have got a way to prove that that you you did the work. It takes about forty minutes a day between your workout. Um, you know there'll be some meal prep involved. You know because you're not just going out and, and buying a bunch of processed foods. You can't do that. Uh, but but all all said and done, about forty minutes a day commitment to do the program. Wow, I'm honored by that. Seriously, that's that's. Honestly, awesome. That's tremendous. Yeah, man. And I do respect the way you, the way you phrase how honest you were with yourself internally, but you decided to also be honest with yourself externally. I think that those go hand in hand. I really do. Um, because when you start seeing the harsh realities of the world, and you start seeing, uh, you, I guess you take a peek behind the curtain. You can't look back, and um, you can make a couple decisions. You can either just uh you know, live in, you know, anger and say, Hey, this world is doing a lot of things I don't agree with and just be bitter all the time. Yeah. Um, you can kind of go the extreme route or which is very extreme and, and do some things that I wouldn't recommend anyone to do. And that's, you know, again, rioting, all those crazy things, which a lot of people do now, which is crazy how normal that is. Um, or you can learn how to use it for your best interest and go, okay, this is something I don't agree with. And this is how I can teach other people how uh, so they so they know that it's also not okay because you're you're completely right all those things were lies none of those things were yeah helpful whatsoever and it's happening now i mean there was just an antifa rider who's just shot in atlanta and uh the way they're already phrasing it is insane they're they're saying he was unprovoked yada, yada. i mean this dude literally shot a state trooper and they returned fire and killed him and now there's riots over this people's homes atlanta i mean and, that, and that's the part that i think people are fed up with is that None of this stuff has anything to do with helping people. And like you said, it really doesn't. Um, and it's a shame that it, it creeped into the psychological world and the counseling world. And you're right. I met a, I met a person who's a graduate of psychology about four months ago in Vegas. Um, very nice girl, Maya, if you're listening. What's up? Um, but she had mentioned that. She had mentioned that she was going through her program. And that was one thing that she was surprised by. She grew up in a very tough neighborhood and in Philadelphia, she had uh, two parents, uh, so she had a good, she had a good setup for life, you know. Mm-hmm. And what she thought was like the basis of psychology, which is you know work hard for what you get for, you know the basic things that you would believe in, um, treat others you know correctly, yada yada yada. She when she went to her program, she's like, that's not what they told me at all. Yeah, she just told everybody, yeah, that that you're a victim and that um, there's nothing you can do about it except for uh, demand justice. Essentially, you know, there's yeah. no. There's no ways around it. And I think it's so, so damaging to tell somebody, you know, because I, I think you can always get out of your own hole as long as you're willing to put the work in. But again, it starts with what you did. It starts with being honest. You know, it starts with um, really hitting a rock bottom and going, I just I can't be here no more. You know, yeah. I can't be here no more. But it sometimes it happens in societal truths, too. It's not just physical and mental because those things, like you said, they go hand in hand. They really do. Yeah. And, you know, that, that's another great point you brought up. And it's another reason I started the program is I was thinking, you know, a lot of guys, they want to get engaged and help our country. They want to make things better, but they don't know how. And they've also got, you know, the, the, the personal issues, the individual issues that ever since the dawn of man, we've had to deal with problems at home, problems with your kids, problems with school, problems with your wife, personal addictions. And it can feel overwhelming when you've got your own stuff going on. And then you look at the outside world and you say, man, that is crazy too. What can I do? Well, you got to start from the inside out. So this program was created for guys. um, I mean, it, it can be for a guy that just wants to get healthy and that's it, but it's specifically Um, And I think even better for a guy who wants to make a positive change around him in his local community um, or even larger. But if you're if you're unhealthy on the inside, 
beware of getting out there and doing it because because a lot of those guys that are talented and they they you know they can go make a change with their words or whatever they, they they're great on a stage but behind the scenes they're broken man how the mighty fall you know we see that all the time where and they take a lot of people down with them so i want guys to be capable strong um not listening to the messages of the world that say they're toxic for being a good strong leader and a good strong man um because we need those kind of men so Let's get strong from the inside first, and then it'll it'll flow outward from there. Yeah, no, I I couldn't agree more. I it is it is a I have like a phrase about it. It's called a. It's like if if you really are one of those people, like you said, on the stage and you're big and and you and everything's haha, everything's funny. There's nothing serious about you. You haven't you don't have the proof in the pudding whatsoever. It's like you're an ostrich. You know, it's like you're in you're an ostrich and in a field, and you think no one can see you. You know, you're walking around, you're like, I'm, I'm hiding everything about me. But like, I can see you from 100 yards away, like that you have a ton of problems. You can see you from right there. You're right. You're, you know, you're huge. Um, right. Yeah. But in their head, they're like, no, I'm hiding. No one can see the inner demons I'm going through. No one can see anything. And it's, you know, that's unfortunate too, because, you know, it does take courage to really want to step forward and do that. And I think the part that really, um, you know, solidified everything for me, I'll be honest, was how little help that you, I got during that time. Not because I didn't ask for it, because I could have asked for it. Um, but how surprised I was that there was little that there was little help, you know, during that time. I think when you're on that journey to change yourself, um, you kind of just think the world's like a magical place, like things are just gonna pop up and help you, but you really do have to put the work in it because it is gonna it is gonna offend a lot of people. You know, misery does love company. And when you start hustling and getting your thing on, you are gonna have those friends that'll be like, Hey man, why aren't you partying with us no more? You know, you are gonna have those uh you know, those brothers or, or cousins or whatever, they're like, what do you think you're better than me? You're, just, like, you're doing all this shit. And right. Yeah, no doubt. There's all of that that comes with it. And it's surprising to you because you're like, dude, I'm getting better at stuff and I have no support. Like you may have one or two, maybe your wife, maybe your, maybe your mom or your dad. And that's great. Cause that's really all you need anyways. But, um, that part was surprising to me a little bit is when yeah. you start making progress, you are going to have people that want to knock you off your progress, but you just got to keep going because as soon as you get to a place that you, you, you know, that's of obvious success they're the same people that are asking you questions of how you got there that, that's that right that yeah you know yeah, and the key thing that you just said too was you were surprised by how few people were willing to support other than maybe close friends and family but you also said you didn't necessarily go out of your way to seek it and i i do believe that when you're really when you've really hit a rock bottom or you're just like I, okay i don't want to become this guy that i know i'm becoming and you do start to seek help i think you can also be surprised by how many people that are out there that want to help you. And if, when I talked about those communities like Samson society and others, those became some great friends in my life. Now they were new friends, but they understood like what I was going through and the, the journey that it was going to take to get there. So it's available, but you've got to be willing to get over yourself enough to reach out for the help, you know, yeah, um, no, yeah, nobody, nobody's going out of their way to save the day when you're not asking for it. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. That's that, uh, that's like goodwill hunting thing in me. <laughs> you know? Nobody yeah. cares. You know, that's like it's you're just bitter and you think nobody nobody cares. And um, and then you just get defensive and all that, and then you're afraid to really just be vulnerable. That's really what it comes down to. Um that's right. but once once you get over that hump, man, it's and it, you know, I I didn't do it so much, you know, with uh certain people, you know, in real life. Like I had a few people that definitely helped me out, role models throughout the way, but it's definitely helpful to have external sources like that. You don't personally know. Um, I know at the time when I was ready to make a switch, like a Joe Rogan was really big for me. Um, not because necessarily him, but because of all the information he'd be giving me, you know, I wasn't necessarily the best, like, um, student ever. I didn't care about school whatsoever, but all of a sudden I found myself interested in a bunch of topics. I never thought I'd be interested in. Right. Yeah. One episode, there'd be a guy of a, He's a coyote expert, and then he wrote this book about it. So now I'm reading a book on coyotes, and I'm like, "Why? I would have never done this." <laughs> yeah, like years ago, this is crazy. And then the next one's about organic chemistry, and then the next one's just a comedian, and the next one's an MMA fighter. And it really piqued my brain into going, "Oh, like I could be into a lot of different things." Society did lie to me. I didn't. I didn't need to have one trick of the trade, and I could be uh, growing at the same time while doing this. And that was just one one example, but. You would have authors of books that were on there that, man, I read their books and they changed everything for me, you know, and, and I, you understand the brain a lot more. Uh, Try by Sebastian Younger was a really good one. And I was like, whoa, that one was uh, interesting to explain how men deal with loss. It's it's It starts specifically on um, men in the military, but it mm -hmm. goes into the bigger reasons as to why PTSD is really so 
uh, relevant to them. And a lot of it has to not not doesn't even have to really even do with what they saw. It's mostly just experiencing a really strong brotherhood. And then all of a sudden it's ripped away from you. And now you're like, holy crap, I'm going back to my regular life. And, you know, I love people that I had that I only knew for a couple months more than I even love my own family and kids. And it's like, that's the part that really screws them up. And you're like, whoa. So stuff like that, you know, and and um, yeah. so it's great to have personal role models around you, you know, that search, search for help, therapists, whatever you can do. But um, it's just as important to find external ones, people you might never even meet ever. But man, they have great books and some are in your face, you know, some are like a Jocko and it's like, good, you know, <laughs> everything yeah, right. is bad, good or or uh, complete extreme ownership is another book I read, you know, just it's a good book, but it basically tells you for 400 pages that, you know. Stop being a crybaby. Own your own your own shit. And I like yeah. that too because you do need both approaches. You do need, you know, the full metal jacket approach. And it's like ah. And then you also need the one that's like understanding. And you kind of combine them both, and you you make it your own. You know, and it works. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, you look at like Jesus in the Bible, right? So he people, especially our culture today, makes it out like he was all just love and grace and nice. And man, if you were around, he would have been the nicest man in the world. It's really not the case. Like Jesus was always truth and love together, right? And he upset a lot of people. I mean, so the point I'm making is, because I hear you saying you need both things. And the truth is you need to get your shit together. Okay. Right. That's just true. And that's a Jocko Willink and, and some other guys you mentioned that just like say, hey, get it done. If you're, if you're waking up, if you're going to bed every night at one in the morning, wake up at five and stay awake all day. You know, he'll say that like, discipline equals freedom. That's one of his, right. you know, a great, great book that he has. Um, that, that is a extremely needed message. We need to hear that at the same time. We need people that are going to encourage us and help us, you know, when we're down. Um, so, so you really, in terms of recovery, and I think in terms of societal recovery, you got to have both truth and love because this message um, that, that the political left especially gives about love, love, love. We just love all the time. Love, man, you go to any of those big cities and walk around. It ain't love. You're not seeing love there. I've seen a bunch of homeless people everywhere right. <laughs> and a bunch of politicians talking about love who are the wealthiest people in that community. That is not love. That's right. a, that's a lack of truth and that's selfishness. So we have to have both. Right. No, I couldn't agree more. I'm, I've lived in California my whole life. Um, Man, it's, I would love to leave. I would love to leave. And that's an excuse you can leave whenever you want. You know, just, you got to just, you know, make a decision to do it. Um, where, man, where are you at in California? Right in Southern California, uh, Whittier, California. So Whittier is like the bridge between LA and Orange County. It's that one little city that kind of bridges it together. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's changed a lot. It's, it's, it's always been good in Whittier. You have your small problems, but it's always, um, you know, personalized. Like if someone dies, you know, they, they had beef with each other. You're not, I mean, it's never like a, some random thing going on, but LA itself is the worst place in the world. I mean, Jesus, I'm sure you've been there a thousand times. It's bad. And it's, well, I hadn't been there. Th- I've been to San Francisco more recently, um, just a couple of years ago. And it was, it was, I took my little kids there. Like I, we weren't going to visit San Francisco. We were actually going up to see the Redwoods. Right. Okay. Cause I, I'd always wanted to see him. So we landed in San Francisco. We were going to drive up highway one up the coast um, all the way up to like Humboldt, which I didn't do my research. I didn't realize, you know, exactly what was going on in Humboldt County. <laughs> but, uh, you know, at that time I had like a, like a one-year-old or two-year-old little boy and man, it was like right at the end of, of, uh, gay pride month in yeah. San Francisco, like right at the tail end of it. It was in like, we got out of there as quickly as we could, <laughs> but then even driving up the coast, man, like it's beautiful, but then you stop at these little cities and they're like, they used to be little tourist attraction pl- kind of places. They're like ghost towns now. And then you get up to, to Humboldt County, which with all these beautiful redwoods and you see like people just like laid out in vans, like all smoking weed. Nobody's enjoying the actual scenery. And it's like the tourist uh, part of it is kind of gone. I'm not saying, I mean, we were tourists, we went, but it's just kind of sad what's happened out there because it doesn't have to be that way, you know? It doesn't, yeah. It, and it's 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 funny how much slack they cut these politicians. It makes no sense to me. Like, in one hand, like, everything we're talking about today is, is not, is being completely honest with yourself, you know, and telling yourself the truth and going, what am I doing and what are the outcomes of these things? And it's the same way with politicians, like, you got to look at them the same way. What are they doing? And what are the outcomes? And if they're not ever looking at the outcomes, they're only looking at what they're doing, then these aren't honorable people, clearly, because their outcomes are terrible. There's homelessness everywhere. Well, you, the highest state, it's the highest tax state in the country by far. There's not, it's it's a it's a state that doesn't allow guns, and there's the, the highest crime that there is probably besides like Illinois and a couple other places. Um, so 
if these people aren't looking at their own outcomes of their own decisions, but you choose to do that on a daily basis, well, it makes you go like, hey, man, I'm doing it and I'm just a regular guy. Like, why aren't you guys doing it when you guys are in charge of thousands and thousands of people? Like, that's not fair. You know, you're just looking at one little stupid thing that, you know, is making people's feelings feel better. And it's only to direct. It's like to like 5% of people, 10% of people, like the majority of people aren't for this. They don't agree with it. Um, California is actually a lot more, I would say, red than people actually realize. It's just LA and San Francisco. Like really. So, yeah. They had the population centers. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that applies to every place. Like you look at Georgia, it's Atlanta. You know, you look at, you know, Washington, DC, like, and you look at, Hey, in Ten- even in Tennessee, it's Nashville, Nashville's blue. I mean, right. we, all the surrounding counties and cities are, are pretty red, but it's blue. And it's because the, the, the progressive left had a plan. I mean, it had a smart plan. We're going to take over all the population centers um, over over a period of time, and they they were able to do that. Um, but you know, when you talk about the politicians, and you know, they're not doing this stuff on accident. They right. they are taking the same approach that what we talked about the counselors and the the psychology professions are doing. It's give them the easy junk food because they like it, and they'll keep buying it, and they'll get addicted to it. And that, and for a counselor, that's just affirm them no matter what they say. So when they come see you, all you do is you make them feel good. You just tell them how great they are, how right they are, and how everybody else needs to get their act together because you, you got it going on, you know, and you leave. And so those people don't mind paying a hundred dollars or whatever, and they leave and they feel like empowered, right? Right. But their life continues to spiral down and get worse and worse and worse. But the psychologist or the counselor, they made their money and they've got a repeat customer for life. That's what's going on with these politicians. They offer people the easy, low-hanging fruit that's actually junk food. It makes these people fat, to to use an example. Um, And over time, though, even though they're obese, it's like they're addicted to the junk food. So they keep voting for it. They keep going back for it. So it is a plot and a plan to own these people, and they've done it. Yeah. You know, it's funny. You see it on small scales. It's it's funny you mention that. Like You you see it with doctors who don't ask you about your diet, and they just give you pills. You see it with... Sykes would do the same thing. Like, what? why aren't you chasing your dreams? Or they ask you personal questions. They just give you pills. I see it with, it's funny. I saw this on Instagram. It reminded me of that because I thought of it on a broad scale. But there's like this local boxing trainer and he's so shit. He's terrible. Jesus. Like, I've been boxing my whole life. <laughs> he's garbage. Like, it's, just, I, and I would never say his name, but Jesus. Like, he's so bad that like, it drives me nuts because what I see him doing is he's just giving false hope to people. It's such, you're such a liar. Like, Everything they do, good, good. He's just using the hands, good. I'm like, don't say good if it's not good. Yeah. I don't know what you're doing. Like, you're just you're just taking these people's money yeah. and lying to them. But on a grand scale, it's the same thing what a politician is doing. Because a real boxing trainer, well, when your hand's not up, he'll hit you and go, hey, keep that hand up. And you're like, all right, sorry. Cool. And then you focus and you start getting better. And he goes, you know what? Slip this right in. You know, do this. And he has you do different things. And he goes, see what your footwork was right there? You weren't paying attention. Yeah. Footwork was off. This guy does none of that. Everything you hit the pad, good. Good job. Good job. And the people that leave, they're thrilled. They're like, I love my boxing trainer so much. Oh my God. I had such a great time and I'm I'm changing my life. And and you look at the videos and you're like, this is just like, you're a drug dealer, man. That's how I see it. I'm like, you're just a drug dealer in my head. And you know, but it extends to the greater part of life. You know, don't be honest with yourself. Like we're talking about and make the appropriate adjustments and don't be afraid to have mentors who are a little bit more uh, abrasive than you'd like to be uh, or like to hear because you know, those are the ones that truly care about you. That's right. And I I think, I think something that people can, you know, especially you probably got a lot of athletes that listen to your show. Think about the best coaches that you've ever had. The best coaches, were they the ones that were always just Mr. Nice guy and really easy on you? Or were they the ones that challenged you and they knew what you were worth? So they, they helped you get what you were worth, but they they put you through the ringer at times and you were pissed at them sometimes. Like some of the best coaches I ever had, there were moments like I thought I hated them, you know, but I look back and I'm like, thank God that that person was willing to say those things and take that stance with me or else I couldn't have, you know, learned that lesson or attained that next level. Um, that's what we need in, in, in life, you know, is those kinds of people. And especially if you're coming out of a dark place, um, because the truth is those, those coaches, they're doing it because they care about you. They really care about you. Yeah. It's a make and rock relationship. I mean, like in, and one and two makes telling him how he can, he can do anything. Like you got this, and you, you know, you. And then in three, when he when he gets his head a little bit too heavy, he's like, he's gonna kill you. You know, he's like, yeah. you're, not, you're not in it anymore. You're in it for the fame. This guy's hungry. He's like, he's not ready. Like, and then that's yeah. a shock to Rock because he's like, what? You don't support me anymore? He's like, I do support you, but you don't support. You. He's like, you don't even support yourself. And it's the whole thing. And yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. Whoa, like it's you know his attitude never changed. He was like that from one movie to the next. But like, 
he saw the weakness. He saw that he was like not serious anymore. And you need coaches like that. Yeah. It comes and, down to that, that truth and love thing is always held together. Those aren't polar opposites. They actually work together. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So that's great, man. I, I really do find your program to be um, really important, man. Uh, I'm glad that it throws in the soul part of it because I do, I do think that's important. Um, I know that, you know, there's a lot of people out there who, who aren't religious and some who are. Um, but even if they get two out of three out of this, even if they get something like that, you're, you're going to feel so much better. And, and, you're, and, and you might seek out those things. You know, I, it, it's really funny. When I was growing up, I heard a lot of negative things about religion growing up. Like I remember, I remember that being very consistent. Like a lot of bad things have been done in the name of religion. Um, yada, yada, yada. Um, they're very judgmental people, all, all those things. Yeah, and then sure. I get, I get older now and it's, it's like the most judgmental people I know now are the opposite or like atheists and, and yeah. they seem to be the ones with the least amount of guidance. And, you know, not, not saying that there aren't a ton of good atheists out there, agnostics, there's a ton of them that are great people that mind their business, pay their taxes and are good to people. And, you know, Hey, I'll power to you. Um, but I do like that that's involved because I do think a lot of people need it more than they think they do. You know, absolutely. Yeah, and the, the, just so you know, and so your listeners know the, the, the soul, we call them soul building operations each week. You get to choose from three, all right? And they, they are out-of-the-box ideas meant to get you out of the box in relationship with God or your family or your your to get you back engaged again with the people that matter the most, including God and, and others around you, your family. So an example would be, I call one a hike and a prayer. Now, this is not mandatory, but it's something you can choose that week. And that's where you pick the one person in your family or friend or maybe your son. Uh, but the one person that really needs to spend time with you and you need to spend time with them and you just haven't been neglecting the relationship for whatever reason, you go outdoors. Now it could be, you could go golfing with them as long as it's outdoors and you're walking together. And at some point you, you pray for them out loud with them about their future, about their wants, about their needs, because that gets you out of the selfish mode. It gets you engaged with that person. And a lot of guys do it with their son because they're struggling in a relationship with their son. And, and it shows like to that person that, man, like my dad really cares about me and I've never seen him do this before. Or maybe he does do this normally, but this was special. This was a special moment. And for the guy that does it, I, I have not had a single guy do that soul building operation and, and come back saying, I wish I wouldn't have done that. You know, they've all come back and said, man, that was that was unbelievable for, for our, our relationship or at the minimum, like, I'm just really glad I did it, you know? Yeah. So, so that's the kind of out of the box sort of stuff that, that, that we do in the soul building operations. I love that. I, I feel like a positive energy like that. And then just words of manifestation, like you putting it out there in the universe is, is really important. It's what you do before games. You know, it's like, for me, I, I see that that's like a, you know, it's like Rudy in the locker room and everyone's like, you got this, you know, like, hey, this is your time. Yada, yada. I, when you're telling people those things, like essentially in any form, it's it's gonna be encouraging. Whether it be praying to God, whether it be words of encouragement, or or whatever. Um, and I and I respect that. That's part of your operation. I really do because it, it's it's some people are afraid to do that. Like I said, they're afraid to because they don't want to uh, trigger anybody or <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Um, I'm glad that you included because it is it is something that's truly your soul and your heart. Um, and that's when you know you're getting a good product from somebody is when they aren't bullshitting you and they're giving you the full full part of their heart. They're telling you, this is what I believe in. And I know it worked for me and I know it's going to work for a lot of other people. And, um, I thank you for coming in today, Jeremy Slater, man. I promised you 45 minutes and, uh, we did it, man. This is, uh, it's been a great time for me. Yeah. Great, great to, to do this with you as well. And, uh, man, I appreciate you having me on. It was a great conversation. Absolutely, brother, man. Um, do me a favor, tell everyone where they can find your website, your Instagram, all those things. And yeah. I get so, um, if you go to, for, for my like influencer, you know, cultural commentator kind of stuff, go to J S L A Y. So J slay USA, find me on Instagram, find me on uh, rumble. Cause I'm not getting canceled on rumble. <laughs> um, but if you're interested in the warrior program, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Um, I've got a scholarship. Okay. If you're a former athlete or you're a war veteran, okay. Or, or a military veteran, I'll say you don't have to have been in a war and you join, I've got one scholarship with your name on it for the first person that puts, I'm a vet or I'm a former athlete and I want this program. I'll give it to you for free. Wow. Um, so yeah, that's available. So cool. Jeremy Slayton, this is a hell of a conversation. I appreciate you, man. And uh, I look forward to talking again. All right, my friend. Thank you, Danny. All righty. This has been All to Take. We'll see you guys later. Peace. And there it is, ladies and gentlemen, our interview with the great Jeremy Slayton. I appreciate you for stopping in, man. Um, I highly admire your 
openness, your ability to be honest and vulnerable. Um, it's rare nowadays, man. And when you do things like that, it allows other people to do the same. So I appreciate that, man. I had a great conversation with you, and I respect the hell out of your program. For those of you who listen, man, you just heard it, dude. WarriorMBS.com slash Danny, and you guys are going to get 50% off. And then he also told you guys straight up, dude, if you're a former athlete or if you're a former vet, you're going to get it for free if you're the first one to holler at him, man. So um, it's a great program. I highly recommend it to, to any man who's just you know looking to get back on the right track, man, because you know, it's hard, man. It's easy to get out of touch in these days. So um, thanks a lot, Jeremy, for all you that you do. And uh, for all of you guys listening, man, um, I put all of Jeremy's social media in the podcast description, including my own shit. So go check that out. And thank you guys for tuning in. This has been Alternate Take. My name is Danny Rodriguez. And I'll see you guys later. Peace.